this gift from the Lord and is fulfilling this calling. But motherhood as a path that the Lord provides is not always replete of joys. You also face trials, tribulations, sadness, sorrow, and stress. But, however, what the path does the Lord provide for a real celebration in Mother's Day and not just empty declarations? I, I would like to look with you at the Word of God and find the example of a godly mother. Even though the trials and tribulations that she faced at her time, she understood God's calling to be a godly mother. And I mentioned the difficult times that we face today. You can be sure Hannah's time was not less difficult than our times today. Samson had died, and with his death there was no great leader in the land. And the earth was in a state of fluctuation and turbulence. And there was a desperate need for a great leader in the midst of the chaos and sin of that day. The Philistines, who were the arch enemies of the Israelites, were about to gain, gain ground. The priesthood was corrupted and there was no great leader. And so it was a time when God would raise a special man and a godly leader as in many times in history. Great leaders are the result of the loving investment of blessed women. And I think that chapter 1 is really opened up our understanding of what kind of woman Hannah was. The true celebration of motherhood goes far beyond lunches and holidays, like today. For many mothers, maybe here, won't have the opportunity to join the presence of their children or grandchildren. But regardless, the stage that you are in your motherhood, and the beloved ones that you will have around your table, you can celebrate the motherhood's following the path the Lord provides. Motherhood as a divine purpose must be ex exercised in three relational directions. If we want, as the Church of Christ, to celebrate motherhood in the godly way, we should look at our relational life. First, motherhood is celebrated with excellence when the couple cultivates a healthy relationship with each other. If we observe verse 3 in chapter 1, now this man used to go up year by year from his city to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh, where the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were priests of the Lord. And on the day when Elkanah sacrificed it, He would give portions to Penina, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion, because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. So, I start saying that this is 
the life of worship as a family is the best way to cultivate a healthy relationship between the couple. And Elkanah went up from his city every year to worship and sacrifice the Lord of hosts in Shiloh, where the ark was. Now Hannah had a worshiping and believing husband. He worshipped the Lord faithfully. The pilgrimage to Shiloh was supposed to be three times in a year. So when the Bible mentions that he would go every year, the scholars believe that every single time that was required, Elkanah went there to worship and sacrifice to the Lord, but not alone. His wife Hannah was with him every single time. They worshipped together as family. Now I really believe that people who have godly fathers have better mothers. Do you believe that? Since the woman many times is an answer to the man's spiritual leadership. As the man is the head of the family, a devout father makes a better mother. It is very difficult when someone needs to raise her kids alone, given all the spiritual foundation. But it was not the case of Hannah. She had the support of Elkanah. He was always worshipping the Lord with her. But before you paint a distorted image of this family, let me tell you that the life of communion in worship is not a synonymous with perfection. And Elkanah makes this very clear. Because he, he was a polygamist. It was a culturally accepted scene at this very early time. Especially when a man didn't have a wife who could give him children. Hannah was sterile. And as she was sterile... He would receive the pressure from the family to marry another woman in order to give him children. But even so, despite a serious flaw in his character, they had a spiritual expression and mutual worship. None of us, and you know, we have people here who have been married for decades. None of us will find a perfect husband or wife. But that should not stop you from worshipping the Lord in the midst of your imperfections. Don't expect perfection. Whenever you find love for the Lord, you can worship together. You will experience spiritual growth while you serve the Lord together. At my house, Sonia and I have an agreement. Since we got married 19 years ago, always seek the Lord's presence together and pray for our own mistakes and struggles and pray for our children and never support their arguments. And when we see that Sometimes I made a mistake with the kids or she made a mistake. We always wait the kids leave the room in order to talk and correct each other. It is a way to support one another. 
Several times during the years, when I was correcting the kids, and at the same moment was being tempted by the idol of anger, she was back behind the kids, gesticulating with her eyes and with her hands, just saying, calm down. But always supporting each other and talking together. But looking back to Elkanah and Hannah, they also cultivated a healthy relationship by showing affection. Observe verse 4. He would give portions to Penina and his wife and all her sons and daughters. Of course, he was a godly man. He would provide for his family. But when we observe in verse 5, he would give a double portion to Hannah. Because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. He loved her in a practical way. And when we keep reading, we observe that Hannah was crying, struggling, because she could not bear children. And he came by observing and gave her consolation, saying, Am I not better than ten children? They were sharing love and commitment. Giving a double portion was usually a gesture in the Middle East for a guest of honor, a favorite guest. Elkanah made it clear he loved his wife more than anything. And, you know, there are some women who are very jealous. Very, very jealous. Even if there isn't no other woman at her house. Imagine Hannah's reality. Need to share her, her husband in house with another wife 24-7. It, was, it wasn't an easy task. Now I'm going to tell you, a woman who could tolerate this is a woman of great grace and understanding and forgiveness. Now, no matter how intense the conflict around us is, there is no circumstance that is so serious that a shared love of God and a shared love for each other cannot overcome it. No matter the season of life, the grace of God is greater than your problems in your family. Last month, I was counseling a young, beautiful couple who live far away from here. The wife discovered the husband's terrible addiction in pornography. It's a serious problem in our days. Instead of allowing her flesh to consume her in bitterness... She decided a godly path of forgiveness. To stand by him in love. They started to pray together every single day. And read scripture. But in a way of accountability. She downloads an app that blocks every suspicious website. And take pictures of the screen every 30 seconds. And he said, Pastor, now I cannot follow my temptation until the Lord heals my heart. This is a wonderful way of sharing love and accountability. God is glorified when forgiveness allows a marriage to be saved. So, 
It's a good lesson. Never speak bad about your spouse to other people, especially to your kids, even though they are grown and adults. Ask wisdom, support, because they follow our example. Many times, I have three kids, 17, 11, and 7. When the kids are disappointed with Sonia, they come to me complaining by saying, your wife, not mom, your wife did this, this, and that. And when they are mad on me, they go to Sonia for solace and also say, do you believe that your husband said this to me? When we observe they are right, we never support them, but generally say, I'll talk to her, I'll talk to him, but before that, keep praying for your mom, keep praying for your father. We need to teach them that our relationship is solid, even when we make mistakes and we, when we are not strong enough. Express love to your spouse, spouse, not just by what you do for her, but also using words like Elkanah did. And also Song of Solomon is a great example of that. A loved wife generally is a loving mom. Do not spill sweet words on your children and at the same time bitter words for your spouse. Single moms, don't allow the hardship and loneliness of raising kids by yourself to drive you into a mistake, into the mistake of dating or marrying an unbeliever or a nominal Christian. This could be the worst thing that you could do for your kids. And if you, you have daughters in this position, please advise them. Get to know your candidate's background from his spiritual leader. His own report is not enough. You know, sales talk is always dangerous. But we can observe a second relational reality that help you to become a godly mother and enjoy motherhood in the best way. Mothers need to have a deep relationship with God. Where did Hannah go to seek refuge from the bitterness of her soul? Was she going to throw up all her frustration on her husband? Has she become a pit of bitterness for everyone around her? No. No. She took refuge in the presence of God who takes care of all things. If you observe verse 9, after they had eaten... In Shiloh, after they had drunk, and the priest Eli was sitting in a chair by a pillar of the temple of the Lord, and she went there for some spiritual guidance and advice. And the bitterness of her soul was expressed in the Lord's presence. When she say, when verse 10 says, she prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. It is necessary. Whenever we have serious problems in our home, in our family, 
go to the Lord's presence. Moms, grandmothers, mainly when your children went away and you don't have the same influence that you used to have when they were living with you. Prayer is essential. So Hannah went to the Lord's presence and she prayed correctly, asking for something that glorified God. As the Bible says in Psalm 127, that children are inheritance from the Lord. She believed that children were one of the best gifts we could receive from the Lord. And you know that. Some people today say, oh, I'm not sure if I want to have kids in this crazy world. Hannah's time was not less horrible than our days. But she understood that children are one of the best ways to glorify God and spread his goodness, his love and his care. And she manifested an intense faith in the sovereignty of God. Her prayer mainly in a time when there wasn't any medical treatment for fertility clearly expressed a deep trust in God's sovereign power and plans. She continued to pray before the Lord. Eli watched her mouth. He looked at her and she was not just praying in silence. Her mouth was moving all the time. She was in love in her prayer. She, she didn't go to her husband asking children. She went to the Lord because he's sovereign. And she knew that every single child comes from the Lord. No matter the circumstance. Maybe your children or grandchildren is in a financial crisis. And you think with yourself, wow would not be appropriate for this time, but listen, every single child conceived comes from the Lord. That's, that is why abortions are a curse. They kill the life that God has given. And while she enjoyed the Lord's presence, she received peace, grace, even before to receive the kid, Samuel. She received words of encouragement from Eli. And the Bible says that she went her way and ate. And her face was no longer sad. Then she worshipped the Lord. And as the Lord searched the heart. Knew her motivations. And gave her consolation. Also gave her a child. In verse 19 the Bible says that Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. In a due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Samuel. For she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. As Presbyterians, we don't ignore human responsibility. Certainly, there are several problems in our homes that need to be addressed and treated. But before yelling at the members of your family, showing the problems and also your frustration, spend time in the Lord's presence, begging wisdom, guidance, self-control, discernment to deal with all the problems the current time brings. 
The Holy Spirit will guide you in the exact words that you should use. Counsels. And also, we work in our children's hearts. We know their hearts are on the Lord's hands. And we need to trust and put everything before the Lord. Pray in order to discern how to react in the different stages of your motherhood. You know better than I do. Every season has a different approach. So how to act, react in your motherhood in the current season that you are? The Lord will guide you on that. Search your heart and observe how you see your children after all the struggles, problems, sorrows. Look to them in a biblical view. They are a blessing. No matter how they are right now. No matter how many problems they brought to you. How many nights you lost. Just worried. They are still blessings from the Lord. Keep praying for them. And balancing self-esteem will be toxic for our kids in any stage. After my last born son, Asaph, turned seven, turned, turned four years old. Whenever he made a mistake and I corrected him in a biblical way, he used it to say, I am ugly. I am a terrible boy. I am a mess. And Sonia and I went to him and said, no, no, you are a blessing. You are one of the best gifts the Lord gave to us. But all of us are sinners and you need God's grace to overcome your sins. Finally, motherhood is best celebrated when the mother cultivates a healthy relationship with her children. So Hannah had a correct relationship with Elkanah, her, her husband, a wonderful relationship with the Lord, but also a healthy relationship with Samuel. She shows us a balanced posture about the time dedicated to her children at the different stages. When Samuel was a small baby, the pilgrimage trip was a long journey. They didn't have good means of transportation. So until the baby turned three years old, she didn't go to sacrifice to the Lord. However, every week, they used it to dedicate a day to the Lord. So please keep coming to the church, no matter the stage of life. But the long journey, Hannah didn't join. It was a time of total dedication and commitment. Training, loving, instructing, and caring for that children. You will find this in the verse 23. But in the meantime, the right time, she dedicated the child to the Lord. In the verse 24, we find the words. When And when he was wind, she took him with her with three calves and a nephew of flour and a skin, a wine skin, and brought it to the Lord in Shiloh. And that the child was young. So she dedicated him to the Lord. And prob probably when Samuel turned nine years old, she took him to the temple to fulfill her vow. 
The boy went to live full time in the Lord's presence. He was dedicated to the Lord. We can observe she was not selfish. She understood that Samuel was a gift from the Lord. For a time she dedicated full time. But after that she took him to the temple. Her love kept the same. Every year when she and Wilkana went to the temple to sacrifice, she would express love and care for the kid. But in a different reality. She knew she had a great gift. Children are an inheritance from the Lord, as we said. However, they still belong to the Lord. As the Portuguese writer José Saramago rightly said, Son, is a being that was loaned to us for an intensive course on how to love someone other than ourselves. How to change our worst flaws, to set the best examples, and learn to have courage. That's right. Being a parent is one of the greatest acts of courage anyone can have. Because it is exposing yourself to all kinds of pain. Especially the uncertainty of doing the right thing. And, after, and the fear of losing someone so loved. Lose? How? It's not ours, remember? It was just alone. Hannah knew that. And she had a right relationship and as consequence, she could harvest her seed by being a powerful instrument in the life of one of the greatest leaders of the Old Testament. This was a reality also in the New Testament. And we could see when Paul uh, wrote to Timothy and expressed the great influence he received from his grandmother and also from his mother, in our first, first reading, when he says, As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. Practical considerations. Children are gift and they should be welcomed. Keep saying this to your children and your grandchildren. Don't allow the selfish view of family, of the materialistic uh, world that we live now, guide our families. Children are blessing and motherhood is such a wonderful gift. Dear mothers, dedicate the correct time to your children. And if they left, try to express your love through your prayer life and words of encouragement. Try to be always available for a word of wisdom. They need. They need you already face this stage of life. Keep praying. And if your mother is away, try to express love, reaching her, and praying together. Don't teach them just moral standards. Non-Christians also do that. Remember, they are children of the covenant of grace. So teach them about our Redeemer, 
how Christ saves us from ourselves. And also from the eternal condemnation. At the beginning of this message, we talked about the joys and pains of motherhood. All of these has to do with the life of discipleship. Christ said that we should go and make disciples of all nations. And discipleship starts in our nuclear family and extended family. Keep being intentional. The grace of God will give you wisdom to cultivate a healthy relationship with your husband. And please, husbands, keep helping your wife to be a godly mother. Cultivating a healthy relationship with God and a healthy relationship with your children who are grown and maybe already gave you grandchildren. May the Lord bless you, beloved mothers, and keep using your lives to be such a blessing in the life of his church. Our pastor will pray for us. Let us join our hearts together in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do ask your presence with us as we reflect on being spirit-filled Christians in this dark world. We thank you and we praise you for the gift of the Holy Spirit who works in the lives of our mothers and our children. We thank you for the fruit of love. Scripture tells us to love one another as you have loved us. Help us to love our children with the sacrificial love that you have shown to us. Father God, we do thank you for the joys of parenthood, for newborn babies, for first words, for bedtime prayers, for commitments made to serve you, for spiritual growth and maturity in our children. The joy of the Lord is our strength. But Father God, sometimes we don't know this joy. Sometimes our joy has been taken away by the unfulfilled desires for children, by miscarriage, by the loss of a child. Some of us suffer pain because our parents are no longer with us. Some of us suffer pain because our parents were not who they should have been. Give us joy where there is sorrow and loss. Lord, be our strength in our weakness. We long for the peace that passes all understanding when situations in our children's lives are uncertain, grant us your peace to guard our hearts and minds. Instill peace in the hearts of mothers who have the overwhelming task of raising children by themselves. We thank you for your promise to be a father to the fatherless. Almighty God, it is true that some of our children do not yet confess Christ as Lord. 
Some of our children have wandered away from the faith of their childhood. And so our hearts are gripped. We pray your mercy on those whom we love so much. We ask that you would draw them back to yourself. We pray that you would reintroduce them to the fold of the church. Lord God, we confess that we do not always demonstrate the long-enduring patience with our children that you have shown to us. Forgive us when we have been too demanding or too controlling, when we expect too much too soon. Give patience to those who long for children. Hear their prayer as you heard the prayers of your servant Hannah. We thank you for the kindness that has been shown to us by our mothers As our parents face the difficulties of aging, allow us to return the kindness to them that they have shown to us. Enable us to honor them as your word commands. In this broken world, may we demonstrate the goodness that Christ creates and engenders in our hearts. Let our children see us as light in the midst of darkness, as salt in a spoiling world, as shelter in a time of storm. For your faithfulness, we give you thanks. We thank you for faithful mothers who shared their faith with us, for those mothers who spent time in prayer with us, who read Bible stories to us in our early years, teaching us to love you and to trust you. May our gentleness be evident to all who meet us, especially those who share our homes. May the light of Christ shine in our lives to show our children the way to you. Father God, none of us are perfect parents. When we depend upon ourselves alone, we inevitably fail. We need your help. We need your spirit each day. Work in our hearts to renew us. Give us the fruit of the new creation. Grant that we may be filled with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. For the blessings of our mothers and our children. For the glory of God who is over all and in all. We offer these prayers in the name of Jesus who taught us all to pray saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Would you please now stand and join with me uh, as we sing our closing hymn.